Welcome to this sermon podcast from Myo Baptist Church, and thank you for listening to today's message. We pray that God's Word will be an encouragement to you and a reminder that the Bible has all the answers to living a successful and fulfilled life. Again, thanks for listening. We now join the service in progress. To a very important topic this morning, and I, I need your attention. This is, this, is, this is a challenge for me, to be honest with you, to get this concept, this biblical concept across to you. And, and, you know, you're smart, but I don't know that I'm smart enough to convey it to you in a way that you can understand it. That's a real challenge. But we're going to be talking about this Sunday and next Sunday, love. And, and the title of the message is, Love is Not Blind. Let's pray. Dear Lord, as we approach this topic, it, it, it's a topic that affects all of us. Lord, love is, is so important, and it's so important that we get it right, and it may be hard for some folks to understand that we can get it wrong. And with that comes some pretty serious consequences. So, Lord, may we be all ears this morning, first of all, maybe to come to the conclusion that we do have it wrong. We've had it wrong, and that's one of the reasons we have the problems we have. But, Lord, because of your love and grace, we can get it right. We can grow. We can learn this morning and not make those same mistakes. And Lord, if there's someone here that hasn't experienced your love, the forgiveness of their sins, and become a Christian, may today, Lord, be the day of their salvation. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Many people believe the old saying, and you've heard it, that love is blind. Now, what does that mean? Love is blind typically means that you can't see the obvious faults in others because I love him or I love her. And it's under those circumstances that we would say that love is blind. Now this often shows up, like I just said, in personal relationships Someone would say, I I can overlook the fact that he's been incarcerated for spousal abuse three times. I can overlook that because I love him. You've heard things like that before, no doubt. Or or, or on the reverse side of it, I, I can overlook the fact, I don't even really see that she has anger management issues because I love her. Aren't we supposed to love people? Absolutely. But not in a blind way. Not at all. And the Bible's very, very clear about that. So that can affect our relationships. And people have regrettably entered into relationships that caused them great heartache, great pain. And maybe that relationship was ended because initially they had a wrong kind of love. They had a blind love, thinking it was a very romantic But nothing could be further from the truth. But not only does it show up in relationships, it shows up in the religious realm as well. Love can be blind in the religious realm. Some people will say, you know, I don't pay any attention to doctrine. Doctrine isn't important as long as we all love Jesus. That's the most important thing. That's not what Jesus says. If you love him, you need to listen to what he says. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. And he's very specific about what they are. And if you're contrary to those, there's a problem. 
Some people say, well, I can overlook a church that believes the Bible is filled with errors and contradictions because they say they love Jesus and I love them. And no, the Jesus that you love teaches you contrary to that. Do you really love him or do you have a distorted understanding of what love is? And I think most people today do, sadly. We live in a day and age where I believe most people think that it's a good thing that love is blind. I think it's very popular. I think most people today in this very secular, worldly uh, culture that we live in are proud of the fact that love is blind. It's It's a badge they wear with honor. Therefore, people are afraid of taking any kind of stand because people will label them as unloving. People are afraid of making any kind of value statement because you will immediately be labeled as unloving. People are afraid of saying that something is wrong or something is sinful because you will be labeled as unloving. But folks, we needn't care what people say. We need to care what this book says. And if you care what this book says then you are going to live a counterculture life. Jesus did. His life was so counterculture that they nailed him to the cross and crucified him. Paul's life was counterculture. All the apostles were counterculture. If you're going to be like Jesus, you're going to be in many areas counterculture. Expressing any kind of biblical truth or biblical value judgment will get you today labeled as unloving. In 2018, I really believe the average person believes it is a badge of honor to have the opinion that love is blind, love should be blind. You know, because of that, Christians today have been horribly criticized for saying Christ is the only way to heaven. People that say Christ is the only way to heaven are immediately labeled as unloving. Christians have been labeled as judgmental and biased and homophobic for saying that homosexuality is a sin. And anybody that says that, they are condemned as being unloving. Christians have been attacked as unloving and backward for saying cohabitation before marriage is a sin. So they are unloving. Our culture really do does in television, magazines, internet, movies, promotes the idea that not only love is blind, but love should be blind. They think it's unloving to be guided by any value statements that you make from Scripture. And let me just say this, the idea that love is blind runs counter to the Bible. The Bible teaches anything but that love is and ought to be blind. Let me share with you, this this is the purpose statement of, of this message and next week's message. Those who believe that love is blind open themselves up. Now think about where this will go, where this will take you. Those who believe that love is blind open themselves up to improper relationships, and improper religious doctrines that create all sorts of relational and religious problems. Whereas, those who truly understand mature biblical love are protected from those 
relational and religious mistakes. John MacArthur writes, The love that God wants man to have refers to a high level of biblical, theological, moral, and spiritual perception. Or could I substitute discernment for perception? Let me read that again, folks. And again, in this very superficial, go-by-your-feelings you know, environment that we live in, what I'm preaching tonight, some of you, or this morning, probably some of you say, no, this is too complicated. This is, this is too hard. The Bible says, study to show thyself approved. You're in the tr- we're in the trouble we're in because we're superficial, because we're shallow, because we don't know the Bible, because we don't have time for an- another service this afternoon of all things. On Wednesday night, that's crazy. What's wrong with you people? You know, nothing. <laughs> nothing at all. There are good, stable relationships in this room. There are people that are, losing the term loosely, religiously mature because they understand that love is not blind. Love has to be guided by, motivated by, and inspired by truth. By the truth of God's word. It cannot be dictated or defined by popular opinion or our own emotions. Those who believe that love is blind are afraid of the truth. Those who believe love is not blind are guided by the truth. Again, I can sense your your wheels are spinning. But this is an exercise, if you will ask God to open your hearts and mind to God's word, will be one of the most beneficial messages you've ever heard. It's love and truth. It's not love or truth. It's love and truth. They are not mutually exclusive. They are mutually dependent on one another. To get it right, you have to have an understanding of love and truth. When they are blended together, then you have a spiritual maturity about you that keeps you from making the mistakes that are based on this emotional love, this syrupy love, this uh, politically correct love. Someone wrote, listen to this carefully, you can read it on the screen behind me. Some say that we don't need to emphasize truth, but rather love. I hear that all the time, folks. I hear that all the time. You know, we, we, we just need to love. We, we, we need to, and yes, we need to. Look, I'm not against love. I'm, I'm for love, but I'm for love the way God tells me to love. Not the way I figure it out for myself. Most things I figure out for myself, I mess it up big time. That's my track record. But when I trust God and do it his way, then the blessings come. Some say that we don't need to emphasize truth, but rather love. They're fond of saying, Jesus didn't say the world will know uh, that we are his disciples by our doctrine, but by our love. So they emphasize unity with anyone who names the name of Christ, no matter how erroneous their doctrine. Those tend to be people at the mercy end of the scale. But he goes on to say, the other extreme, 
we need to avoid is the precise opposite. These people emphasize knowledge and correct doctrine. Put in practice, um, they deny biblical love. They redefine love so narrowly that they can excuse their harsh attitudes towards those who disagree with them on some fine point of doctrine. Those tend to be the people on the profit end of the scale. In every church, there are people of mercy and there are people of profit. There's people uh, in every congregation, mercy, oh, just love them, they're okay, it it doesn't matter, just we we need to do it. And then over here, you got, look, the Word of God says this, this is black and white and they need to do it. And poor little old me is caught in a crossfire. (laughs) That's true. And, you know, and what I want to bring is a balance. There is a place for mercy. There is a place to, to be the prophet. And it takes maturity to get there. It, it, it takes time. It takes being in Sunday school, being in church, being back this afternoon, being back on Wednesday night, having your own personal devotions each and every day, being around people who are spiritually mature. Love has to be grounded in truth, not grounded in emotions or in public opinion or how the movies portray love to be. Ephesians 4, 14 and 15. That we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of men and cunning craftiness whereby they lie in wait to deceive. This is one of my favorite verses in the whole Bible. In fact, I've used this as my personal verse. But speaking the truth in love may grow up into him in all things which is the head, even Christ. Key to spiritual maturity is speaking the truth in love. And be careful because the world we live in today does not want to hear the truth. They don't want to hear the truth of God's word. Warren Wearsby said it this way. Some think that if you love someone, you must shield him from the truth if knowing the truth will hurt him. It's a mark of maturity when we are able to share the truth with our fellow Christians and do it in love. Understand this this morning. People who fail to understand that real love is guided and influenced by the truth of God's word will make serious errors in judgment. People who think love is just feelings, people who determine that love is based on however the entertainment industry portrays it, are really likely to make serious errors in judgment that have real consequences in the area of relationships, and again, using the term loosely, in the areas of religion. What are the kind of relational errors you can make whenever you you don't have a mature understanding of love, when it's just a, a syrupy feeling kind of love? One, you can marry the wrong person. You can improperly discipline your children. Well, I love them. They need, they need to find their own way. And, and I don't believe in, in, in spanking. And I don't believe in punishment. And I believe in them. That's an error in judgment. You, you say, because I love them. No. You, you see how difficult this is to get across to folks? I, I hope you're understanding it. It, it enables bad behavior. 
You, you love someone, you say you love someone, but you don't confront them on their poor judgment and the, the habits they're getting into, and you use that under the guise of love, <coughs> you're deceived. Not only do you make relational errors, you make religious errors. The wrong understanding of love helps you to accept false doctrine. You, you tolerate carnal lifestyles, and in the end you jeopardize the gospel. Love is dependent, folks, on truth and, and the ability to discern what is true and what is false. You can't have it both ways. If you love vegetables, you've got to hate weeds, right? If you love cleanliness, you have to hate germs. If you, if you love order, you've got to hate disorder. So... Going to God's word, he can resolve the issue. Can we all this morning agree that, okay, pastor, we're not going to let you set the standard for what love is. Could we all agree that we'll let God set the standard for what love is, that you will change this morning? If you're just one of those just emotional kind of people that find that think love is emotion and feelings, and that's pretty much what it is, if that's your view, if I can show you a different view, will you change this morning? Will you mature this morning from God's word? See, I, I believe this is God's word. I believe he loves us. And I believe he doesn't want us to keep making the dumb mistakes that we make because we, we, we just want to be loving. Can we, can we conform our minds to Christ-likeness this morning? Because I'm going to take you to a passage of Scripture that should open your eyes this morning if you're not familiar with it. Philippians Chapter 1, verse number 8. Paul is going to address love in a most profound way. And it has, it has nothing to do with emotions. It has nothing to do with how the entertainment industry portrays it to be. For God is my record how greatly I long after you all in the bowels of Jesus Christ. And this I pray, here's the topic, that your love, okay, what is he talking about? Paul is writing this under, under God's influence, the influence of the Holy Spirit. These are God's word. And this I pray, that your love may abound yet more and more. And he doesn't stop there. He says, in knowledge and in all judgment. If you've never heard this before, those words right there, I don't really have to read any further. To change the way you think, therefore change the way you live. That your love may abound yet more and more in knowledge and in all judgment. And here's the blessings. That you may approve things that are excellent. This is for next week. That you may be sincere and without offense till the day of Christ. Being filled with the fruits of righteousness. When you get love right. Which are by Jesus Christ unto the glory and praise of God. This passage teaches very clearly, and I trust it. I believe it. I believe that's the way to love. I think that's the definition for love. This passage teaches that we're not to have an emotional-based love, but a love guided by two words there that are profound, knowledge and judgment. Every aspect of your love, be it for an individual or group of individuals, should be based on knowledge and judgment. 
And when you understand that and when you practice that, that will eliminate so many heartaches and headaches from your life. Let me just read you this little illustration. Years ago, a man came to our church looking for a place to stay. I told him that we supported the Union Mission and that I'd be glad to take him down to the mission. He responded by telling me he couldn't stay at the mission because he needed a private room. I told him that I would take him to the mission, but that was the best I could do. He said to me, and here you hear this all the time. I th- he said, I thought that Christians were supposed to love. I said, we are, but we're not supposed to be suckers. This made him angry, and he got violent. We ended up calling the police, and he was taken to jail. And he says, we need to be discerning. Feeding and putting a person who is too lazy to work does not help him. And that does not demonstrate love. Understand, God's love is based on truth. You say, well, God loves everyone. Well, sure, God loves everyone. I have not said he doesn't love everyone. He loves everyone. You say, well, God loves you just the way you are. I've heard people say that. God loves you just the way you are. Sure, he loves you just the way you are, but he doesn't want you to stay that way. That's a mature understanding of love. That's the mature, let's put it this way, that's the biblical understanding of love. God loves everyone. But he doesn't love their worldliness. God loves everyone. But he doesn't love their pride and arrogance. God loves everyone. But he's not going to tolerate false doctrine. Let's look back at verse number 8. Just got a few minutes left. Here's the key. For God is my record, how greatly I long after you all in the bowels of Jesus Christ. Paul is expressing a sincere love for these people at the church at Philippi. And this is his prayer for them. That your love may abound yet more and more in knowledge and in all judgment. If there's anything we Christians ought to be known for, it is our godly, biblical love. That is what Paul said he prayed for them more than anything. And the Bible gives us a great definition of love. In 1 Corinthians 13, 4, charity suffereth long and is kind. Charity envieth not. Charity, or love, just substitute love there, it's a synonym. Vaunteth not itself up, is not puffed up, doth not behave itself unseemly, seeketh not her own, is not easily provoked, thinketh no evil, rejoiceth not in iniquity, but rejoiceth in the truth. Love rejoiceth in the truth truth, if I could just pause there and emphasize that, beareth all things, believeth all things, hopeth all things, and endureth all things. According to that passage, love is about caring for people. Love is about helping people. Love is about having the best interest in people. And Paul says in that verse, he wants love to abound. That means to be present in an abundant way. He wants you to be generous in your love. And he says, may abound more and more. One writer says that it may be like a river perpetually fed with rain and fresh streams so that it continues to swell and increase until it fills all its banks and floods the adjacent plains. So he says, I want you to love. I want your love to abound and to abound more and more. I am up here preaching that we love as individuals and that we love as a congregation. But if we do it simply based on our feelings of how we think it ought to be, or our emotions, or 
just being sentimental. That's not what God's talking about. And that's hard to preach in a day and age when that's the way everybody's thinking. In fact, if you do make any value claims, then you are unloving. You you see the challenge? God's love has two essential components. This is what I want you to take away this morning. Two essential components. And you cannot love properly if you do not have love that's based on knowledge and judgment. Knowledge and judgment. Show you the kind of culture that we're in today. The most oft-quoted verse in the Bible is, Judge not that you be not judged. That's the most oft-quoted day. Again, that proves my point about the society that we're living in. The culture that we're living in. Don't judge. Don't judge. But go back and read that in its context what it means. It means don't judge hypocritically. Which, of course, who wants to do that? He says, for God is my record, how greatly I long after you all in the bowels of mercy. And this I pray that your love may abound yet more in knowledge and in judgment. Knowledge. Here's a great quote. Far from being uncontrolled emotion, divine love is regulated by a knowledge of God's word. Love controlled by God's word is deep, anchored in convictions based on the truth. Think about it. Love without knowledge could cause you to financially support a religious organization that is teaching something contrary to God's word, like, say, work salvation. And if you don't have knowledge, you might be giving your money to something that's working against Christ. And if you don't have knowledge in your but if you just heard some heart-wrenching story, oh, I'm going to start sending this money into them, and you don't have a knowledge of what they're dealing with, and if you don't have a knowledge of the truth... You think you're being loving. And you may be contributing to an organization that is working actually against the truth of God's word. Key to being loving is having a knowledge of God's word. That's that's why I plead with you to be faithful in church. The devil's going to do everything in his power to try to keep you out. Any kind of reason he can find, he's going to throw it at you and sometimes they're going to fall for it. You're going to... So important to be in church. So knowledge is key. And then secondly is judgment or discernment. He wants you to judge. He wants you to be discerning. This quote, the English dictionary states that discernment is the power to see what is not evident to the average mind and stresses accuracy as in reading character or motives. With spiritual maturity comes a discernment. In many cases, you can say, well, I've seen it before. I know how this is going to work out. And you, you, you develop a discernment. You know that love isn't something just, just syrupy and emotional and sentimental. Think about it. Love without judgment could be giving somebody, some needy person, some money. And you're not discerning enough to know, wait a minute, that guy, watch, now watch him. There he goes over to the 7-Eleven. Look what he's coming out with in that brown paper bag. Oh, well, if I don't give him money, he's going to think I'm unloving. That's a person that's it's solely based on emotions and feelings. And you, you could not be more susceptible to error. Aren't you thankful we have the Bible? Aren't you thankful that it tells us that if we're going to love, we have to do so with knowledge and Judgment. Let me conclude with this, with a warning. The lost world 
and worldly Christians will criticize you when your love is founded and based on knowledge and judgment. When you show discernment, understand this world today will not applaud you. We all want to be liked. I want to be liked. I I want to be appreciated. I don't want to stir up trouble. But you know what? At work or in your family or in the neighborhood, if you show a discerning love as Jesus did, you will be ostracized as Jesus was. But Jesus was the catalyst for hope and change, and so are you. Somebody's got to do it. Somebody's got to take a stand. Somebody's got to get it. And somebody's got to be unafraid to stand. Your knowledge of Scripture allows you to make the judgment that homosexuality is a sin. Now, the world and liberal Christians will criticize you as being unloving. Your knowledge of Scripture allows you to make the judgment that Christ is the only way to heaven. The world and liberal Christians will criticize you as being unloving. Your knowledge of Scripture allows you to make the judgment that gambling, drinking, immodesty are sins. And the world and liberal Christians will criticize you as being unloving. So let's conclude with these simple three takeaways from Scripture this morning. Number one. There are two types of love in the world today. Love that is emotional-based and culture-driven, and love that is truth-based and Bible-driven. You need to pick one. But understand this. Christians, we Christians, must embrace truth and Bible-based love, which is founded on Knowledge and judgment. And then lastly this morning, number three, be prepared. Be prepared to be labeled as unloving by the world and worldly Christians, but love anyway. Love anyway. Jesus did it. Easter was just a few weeks ago. He was slapped. He was spit on. But he loved people in a biblical sense. He called it like he saw it. Through the den of thieves, out of the the church, out of the the synagogue. He, he, He told the Pharisees, you guys are just snakes. He was unloving. You dare call Jesus unloving? That's a biblical love. It's a discerning love. It's a perceptive love. It is having that person's best interest in mind. It's not in your best interest that you be a part of a den of thieves. It's not your best interest that you be a Pharisee. Somebody needs to tell you that. And a person that loves like Jesus loves will tell them like Jesus told them. It takes courage this day and age, but that is our only hope. For Oscoda County, the surrounding counties, and where you live. That, that's, and when that spark goes out, it's gone. You can do it. And you'll be glad that you did. You, you might get fired from your job. You, you might have family get upset with you. You say, Pastor, are you promoting the idea that we not love? Are you listening to me? 
We ought to be the most loving people around. But a genuine love for them, a love that has the courage to say, listen, I love you, but you're wrong. I love you, but that's sin. I love you, but that's taking you down a path that is going to be awful. You're being judgmental. No, I'm, I'm loving you. That's the hope. Will you bring hope to your family? Will you bring hope to your marriage? Will you bring hope to your children? Will you bring hope to where you work? Will you bring hope to this community? You can do it. And you'll be glad that you did. Thank you for listening to today's message. We hope that the service was a blessing to you and that you were encouraged by God's Word. If you have any questions about Mile Baptist Church, please contact us anytime. You can find contact information on our website at myobaptistchurch.com. Thanks for listening.